As always, I like to start to talk with a question. So I don't want you to answer this, but just in your own heart and your mind, just think about what you might answer. You know, which of you would really like to see God use you to bring something about God's love and his goodness into somebody else's life? Just have a think about that. Do you ask yourself that question? You know, would you like to see God use you to bring something of the goodness and the life of God to somebody else? You know, today we're going to begin to think about how God can use you, how God can lead you by his Holy Spirit as we grow in our understanding what it means to be a missional church. You know, we've been plowing into this, haven't we, for the last few weeks, about what it means to be a missional church. And we want to be effective in that. We believe as a church that God still speaks today. Yes, through his word, primarily through his word, but also by his spirit, by the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us into mission together, that people might encounter God through us. But this isn't just for the super Christians. You know, sometimes we can think that, can't we, that God only speaks through the super Christians, those who really know God well. God can use any one of us to do this. And so we're going to think about how that might manifest itself as we seek to be that. But God wants us to be agents of his kingdom. He wants us to be people who can communicate him to the world, to reveal his goodness and his life. You know, God's desire is that we might be co-laborers with God. What does it mean to co-labor? It means to labor with, doesn't it? That we might do things with God as we act on his voice and his desire for this world. You know, we see this time and time again, don't we, in the New Testament, of people just encountering Jesus and then being used by him and being led by the Spirit. So I'm just going to show you some examples of this. In Acts 10, we see, uh, it says, whilst, whilst Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. But get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Then in Acts 13, we see, it say, whilst they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Acts 13 verse 4 says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Yeah, Job 33 14 says, for God speaks in one way and in another yet no one notices. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? That nobody notices. And what this is implying, that God is always speaking. God has been speaking throughout the whole of history. God spoke and creation came into being. God spoke to the people of old in the Old Testament. And God continued to speak and lead people by his Holy Spirit in the New Testament and still does today. I mean, how exciting is that, that we don't have a God that is far away and just leaves us to it that God wants to speak to us and guide us and lead us as we move in mission. You know, God speaks in many different ways, and unfortunately we don't have time to go through each of these ways, but just some examples of those, that God speaks in just thoughts that you get, clear thoughts that you get, or impressions, or pictures. Some of you may get pictures about what God wants to share through you to somebody else. You may get a vision, you may get a word of knowledge, you may get a prophetic word, you may get a word of wisdom for someone. It may just be a small, still voice that guides you to do something. 
or you may get reminded of a scripture and God asks you to share that with someone else. But there's loads of ways that God speaks. And it'd be great at some point for us to just explore that a little bit more together. But we believe that God is still speaking. And that's crucial for us today. As we move in mission, we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to be prompted by him and guided into situations where he can reveal himself. But this really ties into the Great Commission. That Jesus has sent us out to make disciples. You know, and it says, doesn't it, that Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And we want to be a people who are doing the same. We want to take that example of Jesus, that whatever the Father says to us by the Holy Spirit, that we do those things and we say those things, whatever he would want us to do. That's part of being missional and that's part of walking with Jesus. But it is a relational thing. You know, this isn't just some power that we have that God just bespows on us, that it puts on us. This is something that he gives us as a relationship thing with him. So when we think about wanting to hear God's voice, and I'm sure we do, we want to hear God clearly, don't we? We want to know his voice, that we might be clear in how we communicate that to others. But we need to know him personally. And so God's desire on us today is, will you know me? That's his question for us today, is will you know me for yourself? Do you want to hear my voice for yourself? We want to be a people that are attuned to him, who have a desire to know his voice in our everyday life. So he doesn't want us just to be a people who are out on a mission. He wants us to be a people who walk in our lives day by day, seeking the voice of God for ourselves, that we might be transformed, that we might be like Jesus. This takes humility, doesn't it? It takes humility to think that we need to approach God and say, I'm going to give you everything that I am because I want to know you. I want to hear your voice, that I might be transformed, but also that I might lead others into that transformation. Proverbs 25 says, God guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. God guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. I want to be a man who is humble before God, that I might know his ways. And I'm sure you do too. You want to be a person that can humble yourself before God and say, teach me your ways, O God, that I might walk in truth and share your truth to others. You know, God wants us to be pure in heart. What does it say about the pure in heart? Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. What does it mean to see God? It's to know him, to experience him. God wants us to know him. God wants us to experience his love and his goodness, but also to understand his ways over us. You know, being pure in heart, that term pure means unmixed. And what does it mean to be unmixed as a Christian who walks with Jesus? It means to have a pure affection for Jesus, not to be distracted by the world and all that that might offer you, but to say to God, no, I want my complete affections to be on you. I want to be a man and a woman that hears only from you and is guided by you in everything that I am. I want to be completely pure in my motives towards you. Because God calls us to truly love him first, with our whole heart, our mind and our strength. So God's desire is that we might know him. God's desire is that we might hear him personally for our own lives as we walk with Jesus. But then he really wants us to be a person who is completely 
sacrificial in our love for him. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Sometimes you say, well, you know, on mission, how do I know what God's will is? How am I going to hear that? How am I going to understand that? And this passage would say, lay down your life as a sacrifice before God. Surrender yourself, because it's in that place you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and perfect will. Proverbs 25 verse 9 says, he guides the humble. Guides the humble. So God is wanting still to guide us. You know, do we want to be guided by God? That's a choice, isn't it, to lay down our life. You know, Southport is a, a town, you know, we talk about the 1%, don't we, of those who know God. And Southport is a town where lots, of, lots and lots of people don't know God yet. And what is God's instrument for making himself known to the world? It's us. It's us. You know, we get to be that vessel of God to make him known to the world. So does that mean you have to be perfect? You know, perfectly aligned with God, perfectly surrendered, not sin? Of course not. You know, what example have we got of that? The disciples. You know, the, the disciples were not perfect, were they? They made many mistakes and they were walking with Jesus in person. You know, he was physically with them. And they still made mistakes. They still got things wrong. They still misunderstood his ways. But yet, what were they? They were surrendered. So when they did make mistakes, what did they do? They went back to Jesus. They knew his grace, they knew his forgiveness and kept moving. And that's, for me, that's reassuring. I don't know if anybody else makes mistakes in their walk with Jesus. Yeah, it's reassuring, isn't it? That we can make mistakes but still be used by him. And he took these 12 people who made all these mistakes and transformed the world to the point where we can be sat here today after generation after generation of people telling us the good news of Jesus. But we need to be expectant. We need to be expectant that God wants to use us. So for you sat here today, be expectant. Be expectant that God longs to use you. It's not just for the super Christians, that God really wants to use you to reveal his goodness. So let's, let's look at today's text and how we can be led by the Spirit. Because we want to be a people who are seeking to engage with mission. But if we're going to do that, we need to know the Father's voice. And how do we do that? Through the Holy Spirit. You know, individually, but also as groups of people, as the church at large. So, in Acts chapter 8, we see persecution breaks out in the church. The church is being persecuted. The church is scattered. But as they are scattered and moving to different areas, they are telling people about Jesus. And it says that joy is, is rising up wherever they are. They're seeing just the power of God break out. And then we see this moment of an angel of the Lord speaking to Philip. An angel of the Lord speaks to you. Now, I don't know anybody had an angel of the Lord speak to them yet. Now, we don't actually know what this looked like for him. It could just have been a, a phrase that, that they used to talk about he just had an impression, and, and they've recorded that as the angel of the Lord. It could have been an angel. It could have been a, a person. 
masquerade, like, like, looked like an angel that came to him. We don't know. But what we do know is that God communicated something to him. And it uses this phrase, the angel of the Lord. So it says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. So what do we learn from this? Well, the first thing we learn from this is obedience. Obedience is really key when it comes to mission. Because we can talk about mission until we are blue in the face, but if we do nothing about it, who would hear the gospel? Who will hear truth? Who will experience the love of God? We need to be one that would say, send me. I'll be obedient. You speak to me, Lord, and I will go. You know, whatever form this voice took to Philip, he acted on it. He acted on it. And I don't know about you, have there been times in your life where you just feel like God may have prompted you to do something and you've just gone, either you've just not been brave enough so you've not done it, or you feel like God has spoken to you and then you think you've questioned it and go, I don't know if that was God, it might just have been me, so didn't do anything with it. And, and I want to be a person that grows in obedience. I want to be a person that goes, God, if you speak, let me act. Even if I get it wrong, if I've, if I've moved with the right intention, in love, I'm going to trust you. I just want to move in faith that you might use that opportunity. So we, but we see with Philip that he is obedient. It says, so he started out. He started out, do something. You know, move. Physically act on what God has said to you. The second thing we learn from this is spontaneity. You know, lots of times in the, in the New Testament, we don't see lots and lots of planning for mission. They are just on mission, aren't they? They are just going through their day-to-day, acting on what God is saying and responding to it. And the church is really good at planning, isn't it? Really good at having committees and thinking about what we're going to do. But the New Testament model, most of it, is just do it. When God speaks, respond. And so we have this obedience, but we also have this spontaneity. And Philip was open to being spontaneous. So we always need to, whatever you're doing in your day, wherever you are, just say, God, could you use me today? You know, when you wake up, it's one of your first prayers, God, whatever I'm doing today, use me. What a great prayer to start off your day with, is whatever I'm doing today, God, use me, lead me. Whoever I'm with, whatever I'm doing, use me. Because when we say yes to God, we allow him to pour out his grace into our lives that we might be a blessing to somebody else. You, we don't, we don't realise, do we? When you are doing something or saying something to somebody else, you have no idea what you're going to be doing in that person's life, that God might be working something in their life at that time that you just get to add to. It might be something you say to them, it might be something that you share with them, it might be something that you do for them, and it just confirms in their life the goodness of God. We just don't know. And I want to just give some examples, practical examples of this, and I'm going to ask you at the end of this service if anybody wants to share an example of where they feel like God has prompted them to say something or do something for somebody else. But these are just some examples that I've had. For me, there was once where I was listening to a song late at night, and as, as I was listening to this song, I felt God say to me by his spirit, I want you to send that song to this specific person. So I did. 
I just texted them and said, here's the YouTube link. Have listened to this song. I think God might be sharing this with, with you today because this is what something he's doing in your life. And I got a text back saying, you will not believe what, what God is doing. So I said, what, what? He said, she said, I was just speaking to my mother about that is the place in life that I'm at right now. And that song ministered right into my situation. That she was having that conversation with her mom at that specific moment. But it could be something like a time when I've just met with a homeless person and shared food with them. And being able to say, I'm doing this because of the love of God. I'm doing this because I really feel called to tell you that God loves you and he cares for you. Or in the workplace, you know, I've had opportunities just to be able to connect with people and share goodness towards them, to listen to their story and be able to share some of mine. We may never know the impact that that has on somebody's life. You know, that might just be a seed that you plant into their life that grows and manifests later on in their life. But what else do we see from this story with Philip? We see that he didn't have the full picture. Before he moved and to act about what God wanted him to do, he didn't have the full picture. And I don't know about you, sometimes I want to say to God, God, tell me everything, tell me how this is going to work out, and I'll do it. We want reassurance, don't we, that we're not going to look foolish. We're not going to look silly. We want to know that God is truly going to act on what we think he said to us. But does Philip have the full story at that point? No. He goes. He acts on what um, God has told him to do. And he goes up to the eunuch and asks him a question. So he goes up to this eunuch. And what we see is this eunuch is reading Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. And that we know that it's about Jesus. But at that point, he didn't know that. He's just reading it in his chariot. And so the next thing that we see Philip do is he listens and he acts. So God doesn't give Philip the whole thing. He just says, go up to the chariot. And at that point, God reveals the next thing for him to do. He gives him a simple instruction and he acts on it. And then it says, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So he went, he ran, because there was an urgency in his heart to act on what God was saying. And then he noticed. And so that's something that we need to respond to in our own lives. When God speaks, will we move quickly to do that thing? Will we have faith to believe that God is moving? But it says he noticed. And that's going to be really key for us as a people on mission, is will you notice what God is doing around you? Whether that's with your friends, whether that's with your family, whether that's in a workplace, whether that's just in your neighbourhood, will you notice what God is doing? Because God will prompt you in those situations to respond. But well, the next thing that's key here is Philip asks a question. He doesn't rush in with lots and lots of words and things to say about God. He just asks a question. And the question he asks is, do you understand what you are reading? That's all he says. Do you understand what you're reading? And then the eunuch says, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So don't be keen just to rush in and start to do things and say things. Simply, sometimes it might be, how are you? Simply, simply it might be just, can I do something for you? Just be led by God. Just simply ask a question and notice what God might be doing in that situation. We see the eunuch say to Philip, tell me please, 
Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. So Philip gets this opportunity in the midst of asking a question, just engaging with somebody to explain about Jesus. But what else do we see that he values scripture? As people want to move in hearing God's voice, do we love the scriptures? Do we spend time reading his word to truly know his voice? Because that's the place where we truly get to know God's voice, isn't it? In his word. Because out of that place, he was able to engage with someone and to reveal truth about Jesus. Because we see at this point that this, the eunuch didn't understand who Jesus was. He was religious, wasn't he? But he didn't understand who, who Jesus was. So, how do you know if God is leading you? And that might be a question you've got. How do I know? How do I know if God is leading me? We can get very wrapped up in that. And that thing itself can cripple you into inaction. It can stop you moving. But the, the thing I would say to you is, whatever you're going to do, does it produce fruit? And what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If the thing you're going to do produces that in the situation, then go with it. Trust that God might use that situation as long as you are moving in the right spirit. Because how can that be harmful if you move in love towards someone? But the second thing I would say to you is the more you do this, the more you will hear the voice of God. The more you'll just understand what the voice of God sounds like for you, how you might hear him. Do you remember those old radios? Some of you might still have it. You know, now you just press a button, don't you? Or say to Alexa, play Radio 2. Sorry if that's triggered anybody's devices. Those old, those old radios where you had to turn the dial and you'd keep listening and you'd keep listening and then suddenly you'd start to hear the voice of the presenter come in. You'd keep turning it, wouldn't you? And then you'd hit it and you were there. And it would take you a while the first time to do that. But the more you did it, the more you could move it really quickly and move back to that point, couldn't you? Do you remember those? And that's what it's like with God. The more you're listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the more you'll get to recognise his voice. And the quicker you'll start to recognise his voice. But for us to move in that, we need to be doing it. We need to be saying to God, speak to me. I want to hear you. I want to act on that. Yeah, so these might be practical things. You might just feel the Holy Spirit say, do this for somebody. Give them a sandwich. Go around and help them do something in their home. Go and serve them in this way. It might be something very practical, or it may be an outright sharing of the gospel, an opportunity that opens up where you're able to ask a question and speak into their life. It might just be being kind to someone when they know you're a Christian. I remember an example of this was we were having a meal once we were on holiday and this waitress came up and I just felt a real stirring in my spirit by the Holy Spirit to just overtip. I don't know if you've ever had that. It's not something that comes naturally. You know, overtipping. And uh, it's not a very British thing, is it? But I just really felt like to give her something way more than she deserved at that point. And I, I just had the opportunity to go up to her at the end and just say, you know, my family and I would really like to bless you with this amount. And she was completely overwhelmed. And I just said, it's, we just love God and we just believe he loves you. And, and gave her this gift and walked out. Now, we don't know what happened to that. She didn't say, oh, I must be born again. How, how do I get saved? There wasn't that moment. But who knows what God would do with that moment? 
Who knows how that seed would grow in her when she encountered good news later on about Jesus? And I, you know, I trust that God was able to use that, that situation in her life. But what if you're rejected when you move in the Holy Spirit? What happens if you step out and you're brave enough to start doing this or move more in it and you're rejected? Or was Jesus ever rejected? Were the disciples ever rejected? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what can we, what can we learn from Jesus on this? You know, he, he is baptised, isn't he? And then he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he encounters the devil. And he encounters real opposition, doesn't he? That everything that he, he is is challenged by the enemy. And what does Jesus do? He holds on to who he is. At that point, he'd just been baptised and, and the Spirit of God comes on, on him and a voice from heaven says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We need to hear that as the church today. You know, as people moving out on mission, first of all, remember that God loves you. Your heavenly father loves you and cares for you. So even when things go wrong, he still cares for us. And we need to hear that voice in our lives. Because what the enemy tries to do in that situation with Jesus is challenge his identity. Because you can come away from situations, I don't know about you if you've ever done it, but you just feel rubbish. Just like, God, I got it wrong, or I think I got it wrong, or they reacted really badly, and what happens if that's had a negative effect on their lives? And again, if you've moved in love towards that person and you're rejected, just trust God. Trust God loves you. Trust God loves that person that God is able to work through that situation. What else did Jesus do? He trusted God's word. He held on to God's word. He didn't compromise anything that God was doing through that situation. And so for me, this moving in mission sometimes can be terrifying. Those moments can be scary where you feel like God is asking you to move and do something. But it's really exciting as well. It's really exciting to think about how you might be used by God to bring the love of God to somebody else. 